Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Thursday, March 11th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the uh, Indians are getting ready for a trip up to Peoria to face the Padres. Uh, should be a, an interesting experience with Shane Bieber on the mound. And uh, at least, what, by my count, eight or nine uh, former Padres farmhands or players uh, in the Indians camp right now. Uh, because of trades with with that club over the last couple of years, uh, uh, half of the Indians' prospect list looks like the uh, the minor league roster from uh, San Diego two years ago. Yeah, the Indians would probably be able to field a, a whole lineup of former Padres if uh, you know if they wanted to that's, to play against their old team today. Yeah, uh, but Shane Bieber is one hundred percent Cleveland, uh, <laughs> dra- yeah. drafted and raised. Uh, he's going to be on the mound, I believe, his third start of the of the spring. And, and Terry Francona said, you know, he's never looked at a spring training ERA. Uh, and you you would do good not to look at Shane Bieber's spring training ERA right now because it's 16.20. Uh, but that's nowhere near an indication of uh, who Shane Bieber is, I don't think, as, as, as we get ready uh, to really sort of get into the grind of spring training these next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like we've said time and time again, Joe, I mean, Francona is a guy that goes on track record. He is not swayed by what happens in the desert, uh, you know, either good or bad to the, to the extent to that, uh, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, he enjoys it. Uh, he enjoys seeing the young players do well, but he's got a lot of uh, mileage in that brain of his. He knows, you know, the, uh, all the elements that go into making a great ERA in spring training and a bad ERA in spring training the same with the batting average. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, he, he's a, what do they call a uh, practical? He's a, uh, he's a he's practical a, he's manager. A, he's a pragmatist. Is that it? He's that's he's exactly pragmatic. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he listed some of those factors, you know, maybe the wind's blowing out one day, maybe you're facing a, a guy up from minor league camp uh, in, in one of your games. Uh, maybe there's a, a hitter who played winter ball and, and he came into camp, you know, ready and hot, and he, he hit from the beginning. There are a number of those factors, and he said, and like you like you like to say, the, the desert is a mirage. There's, a, <laughs> you know, there's a, a lot that you can get fooled on in spring training, uh, so don't get caught up in numbers. And, and I don't think with, with Shane Bieber's track record, they're, they're going to do that. 
uh, one veteran who, you know, has a track record. Unfortunately, it's a track record of, you know, not necessarily being the most effective hitter. And that sort of showed through uh, already early in camp uh, was Billy Hamilton, who had been brought in uh, as, uh, you know, maybe sort of depth and an insurance policy on a, uh, on a minor league contract uh, with an invite to major league spring training. He was there to compete in center field. Uh, they were up front with, with Billy Hamilton from the start about his chances uh, of making the team. Uh, Tito said today, this morning, they sat down with Billy and told him that he will not be making the team. Yeah, and uh, it's a little early, you know, to do that, Joe. I know they've done that, you know, going down the stretch here, you know, uh, with, with spring training with a, with a lot of different veteran guys over the years. So this is a little early to do it. But I think in doing so now, you give uh, Hamilton a chance you know, maybe to hook on with another team. It's not like you're waiting to the, you know, March 30th and then cutting them loose. So they're doing them a favor that way. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, he can, he can hang around the facility, you know, stay in shape. And uh, the Indians will put the word out on, on the uh, waiver wire or whatever that he's available. And uh, if a team is interested to uh, come and talk to them about him. So that's, that's, that's a good move. That's, you know, I think, you know, that's that's one thing Francona is very respectful of with veteran guys who've been around. You know, he gives, you know, he he tries to make these kind of tough situations as easy as possible. Right. He said he didn't he didn't think it was fair to Billy Hamilton to ask a veteran guy to, to get on a bus and, and ride up to Peoria and then sit the bench and, and come in for a couple of innings in a in a spring training game afterwards when when there was really no no shot for him. But uh you know, he, he said that they would try to hook, help him, uh, you know, get a job elsewhere. And that's that's why Tito's as well-respected uh, around the league as he is. Uh, the other guy in the, you know, in the outfield mix there is, is Ben Gamble. So if we, you know, if we hear something similar about Ben Gamble in the in, in the coming days, uh, you know, that's maybe an indication that they're they're happy with what they've, they've got uh, in the mix out there with Josh Naylor, uh Daniel Johnson, uh, you know, possibly the return of Jordan Luplo, and then over in center with with Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado. But, you know, we haven't necessarily heard that with Gamble yet. He's in the starting lineup in left field today. And, uh, you know, he really does look like he has a chance to make this team. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's a he's an established veteran guy, left-handed hitter. He can play, you know, the all three spots, probably more in the corners. He's played great defense, you know, this spring. We've seen him a couple make a couple great catches. You know, a guy like a fringy guy, borderline guy, but he's still in the running there. Depending, I think a lot on Luplo. You know, if, does he come back? Uh, you know, what's the ankle deal? Is he going to have to open on the DL or the mm-hmm. injured list or or whatever? Yeah, I think if Ben Gamble uh, swung the bat right-handed, I think he'd be he would be in a a really good position to make the team uh, as as it stands right now. Uh, Jordan Luplo is supposed to run the bases and, and have like an intense workout yesterday. And then, uh, you know, see how things went uh, today in terms of his recovery. Uh, Tito, you know, didn't have anything to say on, on that. So, you know, could probably assume that uh, he's, he's probably making the, the next steps in that progression. If there was anything that they needed to back him off of, he, he might've, might've told us, but uh, another guy that you can throw out into that outfield mix now though, is Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Tito said that he had a conversation with Rosario and said that he was going to start working him in over the next week in center field, but that he's not going to play him there in a game 
uh, until everybody feels comfortable with it. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that explains why Billy Hamilton, you know, was kind of, uh, they had the conversation with Hamilton today as well. Uh, interesting move, Joe, what do you think about this? I'm, I'm kind of, you know, they're, they're paying, first of all, they're paying this guy 2.4 million, right? right. Uh, now he's going to be your super utility guy. I mean, if he can play center field, he gives you a right-handed hitter to, you know, maybe, a, you know, maybe he can, he, he starts in center because I think obviously that's the easiest outfield spot to play. Right. Right. And, and also remember he's a right-handed bat. Jimenez is a left-handed bat and you're going to need right-handed, a right-handed hitting shortstop this season yeah. because the AL central this year is loaded with left-handed pitching. And I think, I think the Indians opponents uh, loaded up on left-handed starters uh, in the off season. So uh, let's, and, and even the young guys, you're looking at, there's a kid in, um, in Detroit, who's a lefty, uh, Tarek Skubal. And yeah, you know, right. you're going to be facing him over the next several years. There's a couple of kids in Kansas city that are, you know, left-handed, you know, big arm left-handed starters. You're going to need a right-handed hitting shortstop. Uh, unfortunately you, you traded away a, sh a switch hitting shortstop. So <laughs> uh, now you have to replace him with two, maybe. So, the idea of Rosario as a, a super utility guy, a guy who can play in the outfield one day in center, um, maybe against a right-handed pitcher, but you know, when you're, when your lineup is, you know, not necessarily going left, right. But then when you need him against a left-handed pitcher, uh, you can, you can sit the young kid down. You can sit uh, Jimenez down and not sort of hold back his progress because he's striking out three times in a game against a, you know, a Randy Johnson. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I, you know, I'm, you know, that'd be like revolving shortstops. That's interesting. I, you know, I we haven't seen that in, in a long, long time here. So, um, you know, and and I think Rosario's like you said, right-handed bat. A couple of years ago, he hit 17 home runs. So he gives you some pop. He can, you know, probably come off the bench. He can, he can if he, you know, if he takes to this this new role. You know, I'm sure he can, if you play shortstop, you can play second or third, you, at least you can stick them there, you know, and, 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 and do the job there, I, I would imagine. So, um, and he said he was open to it. Tito said he was, he was open to the idea and that's, you know, half the battle. Right. And, and one of the things that, that Tito pointed out is uh, he said that every team that's, that's been competitive and successful has a guy who they can, can sort of move around like that. He said, a quote from Tito, pretty much every good team out there, they want a guy who can move around and be really versatile. Uh, it really helps. It may not be the analytics or the way they view the game, but as a manager, when you have a guy that can move around and he's dependable, it goes a long way. So that really, you know, is sort of what he's thinking about uh, Ahmed Rosario in, the, in this role. If he can do it, it gives him lineup flexibility. It gives him positional flexibility. Uh, I, I, I think maybe they roll the dice with that, but, but it also points to how comfortable they are getting or, or, or have already become with the idea of Andres Jimenez as your starting shortstop. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you were saying, Joe, the, the versatility, you know, I, I think of Marwin Gonzalez, you know, when he was with uh, Houston, a guy like that was so, so valuable to the Astros during their, you know, runs in the postseason. Not so much in with the with the Twins. You, you know, he, he wasn't that effective. 
but uh, you know, I love Marwin Gonzalez when he was when he was uh, in, in Houston, and maybe this is uh, Ahmed Rosario is yeah. their version of this. I mean, I mean, Gonzalez's ability to bang on a garbage can was second to none. <laughs> I, it's just, it was impressive. No, uh, I, I get what you're saying. Marwin Gonzalez uh, didn't have a position, but he was in the lineup every day, you know, and that's maybe that's what they're they're sort of grooming Rosario to be. Uh, if he takes, if he really embraces it and takes to it, then there's no telling, you know, how, how valuable he could be to the club this year. Uh, again, it, it, it all, you know, is predicated on whether or not Jimenez can, like Tito said, make all the plays at short and keep his head above water offensively. And if he can do that, then uh, the Indians are in good shape there. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly, either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things and then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208. Four three four six. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian Subtext. All right. Uh, moving forward, uh, actually, let's take a look back. Yesterday, the Indians fell uh, to the Angels at Goodyear Ballpark. Cal Quantrill uh, scuffled a little bit. In his start, Tristan McKenzie came in for, for three innings after that and, you know, seemed seemed a lot better in terms of his command afterwards. And then uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Karinchak showed up, and it was <laughs> it was the good guy this time. Uh, James Karinchak was effective in his inning. Yeah, Karinchak struck out the side against the Angels. You know, they played that extra half inning. The game was – well, I guess, yeah, it was a seven-and-a-half inning game scheduled. So, you know, after those last two outings – by Karen check. This was encouraging. You know, obviously he's probably facing, you know, the, uh, a lot of number <laughs> high numbers, like number 90, 91 and 92 in, in on the Rangers on the uh, angels roster, but that was encouraging. And, and McKenzie, you know, three innings, one run, three, three hits, a couple strikeouts. That's the best we've seen him look, Joe, I think, you know, out of those, his previous, what, two or three appearances, you know, he, he looked locked in, he looked, uh, you know, really in control, which unfortunately we can't say about uh, Cal Quantrill. And 
he kind of struggled a little bit. He walked the first, you know, he let off the first and second inning with walks. Those guys came around to score. Uh, and I know it's spring training, but those guys, him and McKenzie and Logan Allen and Adam Plutko are competing. They're, this right. isn't, this isn't, you know, just get your arm in shape and get ready for the season. They're, they're competing for jobs. That's, that's four guys for two spots in the rotation. And, uh, uh, yeah, Cal, if I'm Cal Quantrill, I can definitely hear Logan Allen's footsteps uh, in in the rearview mirror, I think. Uh, but Tito said, Quantrill, you know, the results weren't there. The results haven't been there so far. But he said he feels good and that they, they love that. They're they're very confident, I think, with with Cal Quantrill. Uh, it just that right now the results aren't there. And uh, you could tell Quantrill was frustrated. Yeah, he might have been a little frustrated with the strike zone too, from what I was seeing on the uh, the broadcast. It, it wasn't exactly, uh, you know, the the most generous strike zone for a pitcher. But again, you can't you, you don't go blaming that uh, one way or another, especially in spring training. Uh, so yeah, the Indians uh, today will be in Peoria. Uh, a lot of familiar faces again, as we said with the um, the, the Padres. Uh, what are we looking for uh, today and for the rest of the way out? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, Bieber, you know, let's, let's, uh, can he, uh, you know, give a, give a Bieber like a performance, you know, he's coming off the B game where he, what, threw three innings, one run, five strikeouts, you know, that, that's a good indication. Um, you know, he's, he, uh, we've seen good starts from Savali and Plesak, you know, really kind of dominant starts. And I would think, uh, you know, Plesak is probably, I mean, uh, Bieber, this is probably time for him to, uh, you know, go three or four innings and, uh, you know, just uh, show, show, give us an indication, a little, little uh, peek at why he won the Cy Young uh, last year. Uh, speaking of B games, yesterday, the Indians seven to one in a, a B game uh, against the, the Reds over at the Goodyear Complex. Uh, Harold Ramirez, uh, first sort of action that, that he's really seen went three for three with an RBI and a double. Uh, Owen Miller had two hits, including a, a three run home run. Miller, uh, one of the infielders that they acquired in the Mike Cleveringer trade. Uh, and he looks like he can hit. Uh, and, and I know you've heard this before, but Gabriel Arias, another hit for the Indians. Uh, this kid just keeps impressing. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, he's had a great camp. Uh, what, you know, you couldn't ask for a better camp if you were, you know, 19, 20 year old kid on a new team, your first uh, really extended look uh, by your new team. And uh, you, you know, hit everything that comes across everything that's pitched to you. And he's, you know, and, you know, he's run the bases well, he's thrown well, he's shown the ability to play short and second base, you know, just, uh, he's got to be, he's got to be loving life right now. Yeah, he just turned 21. So he could celebrate uh, pretty much any night that he wants after after one of these games. But, uh, you know, just uh, good to see this kid. Uh, it really, he, you know, he's going to open the season in, in the minors, whether it's at double A or triple A. But uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they kept him over at the 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 alternate training site. I, I think they would want him to get in, to, to stay in games. But alternate training site might be an option for this kid at some point. You know, just yeah. You know, he was there, there last year. Yeah. You know, he, he was there last year. Why not this year? You know, you could keep him there and have him, you know, playing whatever inter squad games or whatever. And then when you know the double A or single A teams start playing in in uh, May, you know, maybe uh, you know just move him to one of those rosters 
where he can play every day. Lefty Kyle Nelson, uh, three strikeouts in a scoreless inning uh, in the B game yesterday as well. Uh, some of these guys, this uh, you know, guys like Kyle Nelson, Kyle Dowdy, uh, 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 Trevor Steffen, these, these guys are, are, are really sort of uh, giving the Indians coaches a lot to think about. Uh, when they make their their appearances because they're they've really pretty much kept teams off the board uh, every time out yeah th- these are those are, that's the group of guys that are trying to make an impression joe i think you know you know a guy like uh, um kyle nelson you know has, he's done nothing but get people out all spring mm-hmm. and uh, you know that really kind of you know this is their first time that they're getting a look at him the big league staff is getting a look at him you know tito said he's on their radar so, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, puts himself in position. Maybe he's, I don't think he's going to make the opening day roster, right. either, but he certainly could, you know, help him in, in June or in mid season or in August, sometime like that. Ultimately, all it gives the Indians the ability to do is say our backups, backups are better than your backups, backups. <laughs> uh, I think at this point, but that's you know. exactly right. Man, Manny Actor, when he was a manager here, used to used to say when when you win a lot of games late in spring training that means your minor leaguers are better than the other teams <laughs> well that should be the case if the indians are <laughs> are ranked as high as they are um you know uh, by major league baseball uh, mlb pipeline uh with their their rankings that came out this week we can get into that talk uh at another time uh before we go i wanted to uh take a minute here uh joe tate the legendary broadcaster longtime cavaliers uh, you know, play-by-play man who also did, you know, 16 years of, of Indians play-by-play. You know, he was on the TV call when Lenny Barker threw his perfect game. You know, he he was as much a part of Indians history as, you know, he, he, he meant to the Cavs, I think. It just people in Cleveland grew up listening to Joe Tate, and we were so spoiled. We were just so spoiled by his greatness and his ability – to paint pictures with words, uh, I think it, you know, just not having him around anymore. He passed away yesterday at, at the age of 83. Uh, it, it, it really is a loss for, for Cleveland. We've, we've, we've seen too much of it this year. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Terry Pluto wrote a great story, just a beautiful story about him in, in Sunday's Plain Dealer about Joe and uh, just, just such a nice guy, just a, a nice man. We, you know, Les Levine, we, We've lost Joe Tate. We've got Michael Stanley, and it's just—it's uh, been a tough, a tough road here. And uh, I just remember, you know, I, I, I wasn't really covering. You know, I didn't cover. We didn't overlap on the Indians mm-hmm. as much, you know. I mean, uh, but uh, I just remember, you know, Joe Tate to me was like uh, the voice of winner. You know, it was like mm-hmm. when you were driving at night somewhere, you know, going to a game or coming home from someplace, and you're listening to the Cavs. You know, I, it just, you know, it made me feel comfortable just to listen to listen to his call. And you just knew, uh, you know, uh, that that he was in control of things and you were in you were home, you were in Cleveland and everything was going to be all right. Just just think about, you know, the guys that we've had as as play by play guys just just in my lifetime uh, and, and growing up, you know, uh, in, in Cleveland, you think about like uh, Herb Score, Nev Chandler, even Hammy. And we're so spoiled with Hammy and how great he is, but, but Joe Tate really, Joe Tate's name is in the rafters at the queue. Uh, just a quick, you know, story for me. Uh, 
when I was in a sports broadcasting class at Walsh University back in the late 90s, uh, Jim Clark was the, the, the teacher and he had a relationship with Joe Tate. So with that class, it, once, once every semester, Joe Tate would come and you know Jim would buy him dinner and have him come to the class and, and speak to the class. And it was an hour of just being totally fixated and locked on and listening to Joe Tate tell stories about how he came up you know, uh, you know, working at the, the radio stations out in the middle of nowhere, that, that kind of stuff to, to get yeah. to where he was. And then just the stuff that he told us about being on the road with the team and, and everything. It, it was a real inspiration, at least for me to, to want to continue on the road that I was on to, to get to where I am. And, you know, I, I, I look back on that really fondly because I, I, you know, I would stick around and, and, you know, just, ask him questions and just be around. You wanted to, you didn't want the, the night to end that night. Yeah. That was, that was sort of the, the thing was, and he, he was so generous in, in giving of his time. So gracious uh, answering every question and just being there knowing, you know, these, these kids who uh, were 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, just answering all of our questions. It was uh, a, left a, a great impression on me uh, at the time. So uh, really going to miss Joe Tate. All yeah, right. I thought, you know, what, what Terry wrote that, you know, he wasn't afraid to die, that he was almost kind of looking forward to, you know, to it, not, not forward to it, but what he was looking forward to what was the next step. If there was another, if there was another dimension out there, I thought that was really, it sounded like he was really at peace with himself. Well, and, and uh, hopefully they're playing basketball in that next dimension that he's <laughs> yeah. at. And hopefully he's got a, a courtside seat to be able to call it because that's what he did best. All right, Hoinsey. We'll be back with you, uh, wrap up the week on Friday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you then.